0: It might be winter here in Canada, but hearing the word popsicles can instantly bring a smile to anyone's face. Memories of hot summer nights and vacation vibes really come to my mind when I think about enjoying a tasty, icy, cold treat. If the word popsicles evokes happy memories for you too, then you're probably going to love this week's interview with Happy Pops founder, Layla Kashavji. You're listening to The Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some of the most passionate, hardworking, and limitless thinkers on this earth who have a story to share, a brand that inspires, or a fire inside of them to live life on their own terms. The intention behind each episode is simple. And that's to include you in these conversations so that you can learn, apply, and grow in your own life and in your business. If I can share one quick secret with you before we begin, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. Tuning into Visionary Life will help you dust off the limiting beliefs you carry around so that you can begin to create your own most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. All right, everyone. So are you as excited as I am to hear the story behind Dragon's Den sensation, Layla Kashabji? who has reinvented the world of popsicles with an all-natural ice pop made with real fruit and sweetened with a hint of organic cane sugar. Happy Pops was launched back in 2016 after Layla learned about all of the hidden, nasty sugars lurking in traditional popsicles. Layla knew there had to be a better way, and she was right. An athlete herself, Layla wanted to healthify the popsicle and create a version that could be a breakfast, a post-workout treat, or a snack before bed. A snack you could feel good about the whole family consuming and no guilt associated with eating these popsicles. So really, that's the birth story of Happy Pops. Layla drew on her South Asian heritage and travels, as well as her family's experience in the food industry, to come up with a flavor lineup that can't be found anywhere else. From passion fruit to guava to mango and strawberry— Or my personal two favourites, the matcha one or the coffee one. Ugh, these ones are so good. Happy Pops is a clean ingredient treat that appeals to Canada's diverse tastes. The Ice Pops are handcrafted in small batches without artificial ingredients and are sold at specialty retail stores, farmers' markets, and festivals in Ontario and Quebec, but they are rapidly expanding. And P.S. if Layla's story sounds familiar, it's because she landed a $150,000 deal on CBC's Dragon's Den with one of my personal favorite dragons, Arlene Dickinson. So if you missed that episode, go check out the first episode of season 13. It was epic. Before we dive into this episode with Layla and to learn all about Happy Pops, I thought I would share a quick update with you all. So now I always share these updates with you guys because I just feel like it's so nice to hang out. And although this is a one-way conversation, I really want to encourage it to be a two-way conversation. If if anything I say during these updates or during the podcast resonates with you, please reach out to me. I mean, the easiest way is on Instagram at Kelsey Riedel, but I really do love this community. And when you guys tell me that you're listening, it totally warms my heart. So it's December 1st today. I cannot believe it. It's one month until New Year's Eve, and that means New Year's resolutions are coming. (laughs) But seriously, I've decided as of today, because it's the 1st of December, I am not going to wait 30 more days to set some damn goals for the rest of this year and for next year. And I just don't feel like it's appropriate anymore to put off living our best life and living in alignment with what we want in terms of our health or our fitness or our business. Why wait until January 1st, right? Why only set goals one time a year? So I kind of want to encourage you if you're listening to this at the start of December when it comes out, To take action on the goals that you know you want to accomplish starting in January. Get that little head start now and don't let the holidays derail you, right? You can be healthy during the holiday season. It's not inevitable that it's going to be so indulgent and you can get fit in December, right? Again, it's not inevitable that you lose your fitness. Or you don't have to wait till January to start on this business idea of yours because you could be doing so much to prep and to just build those foundational pieces right now, especially while you have extra time off your job during the holiday season. So whatever your goals are, I mean... If you want to tell me that's amazing, if they're kind of secret to you, um, let's get going on them, right? Because making excuses and delaying our progress just needs to stop today. So it's December 1st, and I've decided that as a collective of visionaries, I really want us to start living our 2020 goals right away and not in 30 days. Because today is the day to craft your most visionary life, and I don't want to let you wait a second longer So let me know, what do you want to take action on before the new year? Maybe tag me on Instagram or send me a message on Facebook. Uh, For me, I really wanted to start off this month feeling healthy. And so I've committed to making some health changes myself um, in terms of my eating habits. I'm eliminating a lot of dairy and gluten and unnecessary sugars. Um, And I've also given up alcohol temporarily, which has been a little bit of a struggle because I do enjoy a glass of red wine after a long day of work. But again, I just want to make sure I feel amazing in the month of December. And also I've committed to my fitness, working out at least five to six times per week. And so that's been a priority for me. So decided not to wait till January and to to really get that head start now. Final announcement on my end. If you're listening to this when it comes out on December 1st, it is your last chance to grab visionary social media at $100 off. So you can head to the link in my Instagram bio or to my website, KelseyRiedel.com. And when you head over to the visionary social media page, you can enter the word social superstar, all one word to get $100 off final thing before we dive into this week's episode, I want to thank our sponsor Healthy Planet. So like I said, it's December 1st. It's time to think about gift shopping for all of your loved ones and your favorite people. And personally, when I'm gift shopping, I am always looking to buy healthy, holistic and wellness inspired gifts because that's my beliefs and where I like to spend my money. And I love to support brands who are, just greening up the products that we're constantly using on a daily basis. So one thing I love about Healthy Planet right now is you can shop online and as soon as you head to their website, you can actually hit the gift ideas button. And that's going to bring up things like essential oil bundles and cute little lip balms and a variety of workout supplements for the fitness guru in your life and cute newborn baby gift sets. So there are so many pre-made gift ideas already bundled up at Healthy Planet Can Canada.com. And so Christmas shopping has really never been so easy. I'm very excited to offer you guys as a listener of this podcast 10% off any online order that's a minimum of $49. So use code visionary10, that's visionary10 at checkout to save 10% on any order that's a minimum of $49. Let's get into the episode with Layla so excited to connect with you after seeing your story on Dragon's Den. I was very inspired and it was just a really uh, amazing journey that I knew the listeners would resonate with. So thank you for being
1: here. Thanks for having me.
0: So we always start the podcast off with some rapid fire questions. Just say whatever comes to mind. We'll keep it fun. We'll keep it light. Uh, we'll start with an easy one. Where did you grow up? I grew up
1: right here in Toronto. Okay, amazing. What's your favorite day of the week? Friday. <laughs> I love Fridays too. <laughs> some people are like, Monday. I'm like, what? I don't know why because I work the weekends. So yeah. I don't know
0: why Friday, but for some reason it's.
1: Well,
0: it's funny you say that because Friday, I love Fridays as well. And I have a business too. I work Saturdays and Sundays, but Friday still has that energy of everyone else mm-hmm. being excited for a Friday. So I'm like, yeah, I'm ready too. <laughs> uh, what's your current flavor of popsicle that you're loving?
1: Midgey lemonade. Oh my god that sounds so good.
0: Uh, Given the choice would you choose to listen to a podcast watch TV or read a book?
1: Probably a podcast because I'm always on the go.
0: Mm, I know that's really why I started listening to them.
1: Multitasking
0: at its finest. Uh, And what's your favorite way to wind down after a really busy work week?
1: A good workout.
0: What are you into right now?
1: I'm 45.
0: Ah, I joined last winter, and I went all the time. I got so addicted. Yeah. It's a great workout, it's a great though. great workout. Yeah, and because of the money I was paying, I was
1: like, I'm going to go every single day. So <laughs> exactly. I, like, burn myself out. So I get the best bang for your buck. Yeah. I like that you just show up good music mm-hmm. good workout and it's, and it's variety so yeah keeps you i've had people work. challenge
0: me like why would you spend that much on a monthly membership and i'm like you know what because when you pay you actually go and you exactly you force yourself to get every ounce out of it yeah. so the accountability is great yeah all right, so let's zoom the lens back a little bit. I would love to know what were you up to in the years before launching Happy Pop? So you were in school, I believe. So maybe walk us through that point in your life. What were you studying? Where were you? And what did you think your path was going to be?
1: Sure, so I can go back. So growing up, I did a bunch of sports. So I did some competitive gymnastics for a while, played some hockey. Uh, and which like I learned that... Food is such a big part of socializing, but as a competitive gymnast during like a, a long competitive season, it was difficult to indulge in a lot of ice cream or desserts and whatnot. And that whole thing had me interested in my sports medicine, nutrition, and that's when I went on to do kinesiology at the University of Toronto. And, um, through that, I learned more about nutrition and actually products that I were eating were not as healthy as I thought they would be because people put all these claims on the front of the packaging and on the back, you still have all these names for sugar or they would have sugar broken up into like 10 different names and, or like people were using artificial colors and flavors on a product that still said like, you no, know, they would say no added sugar or gluten-free or vegan. and. You know, and that's when I realized that why are we not being transparent? And I, and I was always interested in the health space and the food space. And I would go to a lot of trade shows with my dad and I would look at these products. And I knew one day I probably wanted to do something that was, that I could feel good about creating. But I still, my heart was still in medicine. I, I love the idea of being a sports medicine physician. So I was doing research at Women's College in osteoarthritis, and I loved it. I was traveling for that, I was presenting at conferences, and I don't know where, somewhere between getting an offer for a master's and figuring out what I wanted to do after I graduated, this idea for a possible business came up because my dad saw something for sale. And What do you mean he saw something for sale? He was on Kijiji. I don't know what he was doing. He's in the food business. So he was looking and he saw a popsicle business for sale. So he's like, what do you think about this?
0: And that put the idea in uh, I having... was like,
1: I was like, well, I'm making all these protein shakes. I'm like, what if I make protein popsicles? And I'm like, it just seemed like a genius idea as a student who's like trying to use a not-so-great blender and mm-hmm. make good smoothies for one person. I was like, well, what if these were in my freezer? Like, I could just grab them for breakfast. And that's kind of where the idea for Happy Pop sort of started. Mm. And just a product that people could feel good about. The idea was to have it, like, kind of nutritious.
0: Um, yeah, it's, like, a product that you were looking for but could not find, essentially. Yeah. And
1: I'm like, well, why isn't why aren't people making this? Like... And then I was I got into the University of Toronto's Impact Center um or entrepreneurship program. And I started developing kind of like a business plan. But in the midst of that, we were just selling popsicles because it was it was already May 2016. So I just started selling like basic, no protein, just like basic, like four flavors. And I started growing, I started getting some traction. So it was like trying to juggle being in this program as well as running a business, and um, went on to then acquire Sweet Sammy's Ice Cream Sandwich Company later that year, October 2016. Again, good ice cream, clean ingredients. Um, People need to indulge. And just being able to diversify in the frozen category was something that I wanted to do. And yeah, just being at it ever since, trying to do more events, more markets, some corporate, and now we're, we're really making a big push in retail, hoping to kind of be in stores, mm-hmm. nationwide, mm-hmm. cool. Okay, well, we're going to have to dig into all of that. Yeah. First, I want to go back to, I love
0: um, that you brought up that there's so many products out there that they're greenwashing. Like That's a term that comes to mind when they have these like vegan or keto stamps. I don't know, were you at the CHFA yeah. show? Yeah, and so I was walking around with a friend of mine, and for anyone listening, it's the Canadian Health Food Association conference. So it's the largest health food conference in Canada. And as I walked around, and I was seeing these new branded snacks that had the the label keto snapped on them, and then you'd look at the ingredients, and there was like tons of sugar and all these things. And I just thought, gosh, it is so hard as a consumer. Who maybe hasn't been educated in nutrition or label reading to make an informed decision these days? Because there are hundreds and thousands of new products coming to market every single month or every year, and they kind of can claim whatever they want. And it's a messy industry. And so to have a brand that really like maintains their word of like, oh, we are sugar free, and like this is what we're going to maintain as a belief of ours, it's kind of rare to find brands and products like that
1: yeah I think there's people try and look for all these colleagues on the packaging like I know I was at Costco and I saw this great I'm a big bar person like convenience again snacking yeah and it claimed gluten-free it like looked clean on the back it was like a whole essay and it was gelatin There was all kind and I'm thinking like this is an oat bar yeah there's an essay and I'm thinking like The average consumer probably read like gluten free and like a couple of other colors. I'm like, oh wow, this is a great snack. I'm going to eat this. And meanwhile, (laughs) yeah, a bunch of stuff in it.
0: I know. And for the average person, like they just assume that what they read on the front of the package is true, Mm -hmm. and perhaps it is. But until you flip it around, sometimes you have no idea. And I love what you say about people still need to indulge. But we're at a point where I think people are having that awareness that they want healthy indulgences. They still want to have their treats, but they don't want it to be filled with all these like Frankenstein ingredients that you don't know about. So it sounds like you've really found
1: that niche there. Yeah, so we still use a little bit of organic sugar in most of our flavors because, again, people, you want people to feel satisfied. And that was my biggest thing. We add about a quarter teaspoon of organic sugar. Yeah. And the average flavor is still 50 calories, but you. You have it feeling, like, satisfied, like I had a treat or I can give this to my kid. Because when you make a product, we do have some flavors without sugar. But when you give, kids are exposed to so much today or we are exposed to so much. It, it needs to be an alternative to something that's four, or 500 calories at 30, 40 grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. And so being on the lower end of the sugar, that's still something you can enjoy is yeah. where we want it to be. Yeah, and that's the
0: thing. I'm sure most of your your consumers like they don't want to go from like the rocket popsicle right to like a no sugar one. Yeah. They just want a better alternative. Yeah. Where they can read the ingredient panel and not see all these strange ingredients like dyes and yeah. And so they
1: can't all our did are three two to five ingredients actually. Yeah. And so all ingredients you couldn't pronounce that was what was important to me. Ingredients you can find at home. Um, great, clean product ingredients you can recognize, your grandmother can recognize, kids can, you know. So, let's go back to the
0: moment where you bought the business, the popsicle business that was for sale. So, you, you buy the business, then what happened? Like, maybe just paint a picture of like what those next few weeks look like. Did you just like dive in as like the chief popsicle maker or were you like the marketing person? Were you doing it all? Was it
1: chaos? Was it organized? Yeah, so I was I had, kind of, I would I was actually just before graduation and I had this master's lined dad. and like I was pretty academic, um, so it was like a very like it was just kind of a, supposed to be a summer project. So I didn't know how I was like, going to tell my friends like I'm turning down this master's. Like the friends I did tell were like, I don't think you should do this. I think you should keep your master's for September. Like how are you going to sell popsicles in the winter? How are you going to make a living? This is Toronto. And I'm like, I don't know about this. I just want to just do it and see what happens. And I remember starting out, and I did everything. I was cutting the fruit, juicing the fruit, putting it, putting the popsicles in molds, packaging them, doing the dishes, day in, day out We're probably the first three weeks of this business, trying to make some, post some pictures on Instagram, hoping, hoping someone might share them. Someone would notice us. So it makes them add to like friends, but like we had no printed sticks. We had no printed packaging. Like it's started off literally with like e labels. And people were like, oh, well, you should get printed sticks. You should get printed packaging. And I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to do this for. Like, I don't even know um, where this is going right yeah. now. But, yeah. Like, just One day it. at a time. And my dad's, like, bootstrap this. And that's exactly what we did bootstrap mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it started to slowly, like, we launched, um, I kind I doors open Toronto at the Adam Museum, and people bought it, like, the first weekend. No printed packaging, no printed sticks, and people liked the card, and like, where can you find this, and nowhere, nowhere, <laughs> nowhere essentially, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, from us.
0: Yeah, but what better push so, to be like, we need to get this yeah, so, into,
1: and I mean, you know, you, don't know where to begin with package design. Like I'm a kinesiology graduate who have done research. Like I don't know. I don't know much yeah. sure about package design. I had some basic illustrator skills, and then we got some a little better label printers. who were printing stuff in house and got into the corporates. And I gotta say the like kudos to or thank you to all the people who have helped us. Like big brands who've supported us given us opportunities to like give out to their clients or their their staff. And I mean, that allowed us to test flavors, test options. And then we realized that, okay, maybe we do want to start getting into retail and thanks to some of the retailers who gave us a chance starting out. And it wasn't perfect. It was basic packaging, stickered bag, put four flavors out of that. Two are currently in our printed packaging now. So it, it, it's, not, it's not perfect going to retail, it's not easy, um, but there's people who are definitely willing to support you and allow you to, allow you to make those changes. Mm-hmm. I love to hear that too, because I think that so
0: many, I, I know that a lot of the listeners, they're in this phase where they're working on a business idea, but they're really afraid to launch because it's not perfect. But like the reality is all of us who look back on the first few years or months of our business, we're like, what were we thinking? The website was shit. You know, like the packaging was terrible. It fell apart. And that's where you have to launch from because then, only then can right. you make changes. So I think that's a really
1: important I'm a huge believer in getting a minimum viable product out there ASAP, yes. getting feedback, and also be willing to talk to people, whether that's doing your demos yourself, like getting into getting in the hands of consumers quickly so that you can see what they feel, like who is your, who's buying their product, what are they looking for, and then figure out what do certain flavors not sell in certain stores or maybe people are just not interested in that. And it's really about getting that information before you get into really printing stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I think, go, to, go very, like, everybody wants everything to look good. And so did we. So did we. But we took our time to kind of do things slowly. Um, and I think. Yeah. Yeah, I love
0: that whole idea of the minimum viable product and, like, just getting something out there to validate your idea before you go spend your, life savings on creating this you know, huge run of packaging, or whatever it is, or a $20,000 website. It's like, wait, did you test out this concept to see if there's excitement around it? So I think that's super cool. Yeah,
1: and basic packaging, sure, is not attractive to big grocery stores and big chains, but you need to make sure your product sells. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing, and that is so key to us today. Like, I can't brag and say we're in a thousand stores because we're not. Yeah. But we wanted to make sure that people liked our product and people are buying it again and again. And I think that for me is important. Everyone has different goals with their business. For me, that was very important to me is really making sure that we had a good relation with our the stores we're in, that I did I did a lot of our demos. Um and so I could really interact with and share the story. Why why did we put a little bit of sugar in this? Why did we do things what what is the rationale? And I think I think it's that story, and then people buy it and then they tell their friends, and then you can do nice packaging and go to the bigger the bigger retailers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and speaking of demos, I think it's such a smart move for you to instead of like deciding to hire out your whole demo team, making yourself kind of the key member of that demo team. Because until you build an audience of like brand evangelists and people who love your product you're the most excited one, so we need you to be the one selling it to us because we're going to remember your excitement and your joy and you're going to convert me into a fan and then I'm going to tell my friends and I think that really does come from the top down in the early days when you're the only one who knows about your product or service. You have to be on the front lines, like getting dirty and not hiring out things that make the biggest impact. So I'd love to actually just backtrack a bit. You said you launched at Open Doors Toronto. For a lot of people listening, they're probably like, well, how did you even get connected to be able to hand out popsicles at an event? Because that's a great way to test out your product. So, like, what did that process look like? Do you just call and say, like, can I hand out popsicles? Do you do it behind the scenes? How could somebody get involved in an event like that?
1: Yeah, so we, so we had, a, our my family's in the food industry, so we had some relationships there. But, I mean, even just, like, farmer's markets or every event is always looking for sponsorships. Yeah. Be in this now, uh, like, three years to say that, you know, now we got all the sponsorship requests and definitely you have to pick and choose, I'll be honest, um, where, where, you, where you go. And you want to know, you have to have some general idea of what you want to be affiliated with, but there's always opportunities. People are always looking for people to give out something, whether it's runs or fitness classes, gyms, yoga. There's so many ways to kind of get started, Mm -hmm. different charity events. I think that's a great way to start. Um, Be mindful of what you do, and I think who you want to affiliate yourself with early on. Um, So definitely do those and get your product out there and be there to get that feedback. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what some of
0: the most impactful events or, like, yeah, moments where you showed up that you think like that was so worth it for the exposure or the
1: connections. I think people are I think to this day it's still so, like seeing kids who probably would normally, eat, like you said, a rocket popsicle or something like eat this product is like an melt like it, it keeps oh, motivated. Like it is so cute seeing like young kids or people who are like so, people will often say, Oh, I don't think my kid will like a lemon mint popsicle. And like, they'll let their kid try it and they'll love it. And it's like, people are open to trying different things. Like, to think that when I grew up, it was like blue lemonade, artificial color, artificial flavor. Now we have kids eating lemon mint, mint passion fruit, guava, pineapple, coconut, all like made with real fruit. I think that is, it, it just motivates me every day to just kind of want to get up and want to keep keep going, keep getting into the hands of more people. But also on the other side of it, like the other couple weeks ago I was demoing like, a ninety-two year old woman came up to me and she's like, This is such a good product, I'm gonna buy some for myself. Like and it's like oftentimes people will tell you like, know who your target market is and this is your target consumer. And it's like woman well, age this and this but like Sometimes, sure, that's the bulk of your consumer, but there's mm-hmm. you can't only direct everything to that one person. And that's where being out there and getting to see, like, the whole spectrum of people who are buying your product interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very important for us, kind of, in that, when we went to rebrand, is just knowing that information. Mm-hmm. But just seeing how many people are, like, happy, eating an all-natural product and coming back and... Mm-hmm. Um, willing to try so many flavors I think it's really cool
0: yeah and so you kind of mentioned like target market there you've obviously gone through some exercises of that you you kind of said your vision of like yeah wanting to to see kids like eat something natural and feel good after these kind of like draw out the idea of things that you might find in your business plan. I'm wondering, did you ever sit down and write a formal business plan for Happy Pops? Or has it all kind of just unfolded naturally since you bought the business?
1: I uh, start, started with a little bit of an exercise, very basic business plan. Um, I think sometimes we spe- people spend too much time writing these plans without getting out there. Some people will disagree, but you got to be willing to pivot all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many times where there's been multiple different opportunities, and you have to say, well, what's going to be the most profitable at this point? Or sometimes you'll we'll be given this great opportunity. Like, someone's like, we want to put you in our retail store. We didn't have packaging. You quickly designed a label to feel like we're opening in a couple weeks. So you sometimes need to shift what you're doing, and that's not... Something to happen in a plan. You can't expect people who have three to five year forecasts. I don't know, maybe it's probably good to have. Mm-hmm. I don't we don't have we didn't have one. Um I think definitely there's like a lot more strategy now that we're making that push more in retail, but early on it's you need to just get out there. I don't think I don't think sitting behind a computer is gonna give you any indication of where you'll be and what you do. I wish it was that easy though, to have everything, had, every move calculated. Mm-hmm.
0: That's why I love asking the <laughs> question because I would say the majority of my guests nowadays, they're, they're saying, yeah, like the business plan didn't jive with me or I wrote it, but it has no validation in where I am today. And I wish I would have just got into action sooner. And I, I really do think there is a time and place to write down your ideas in one consolidated way. But at the same time, if you're not actually getting out and you know, being on the front lines of your business, then nothing is going to begin growing. So, um, yeah, I just, I love that you say, like, you can't hide behind the screen forever. <laughs> I mean, I
1: wrote my MCAT. Like, there was no plan. Like, the plan at the time was to do this for maybe a couple months or max a year. Like, there was no, like, I mean, so from a long-term plan, it was very... Mm-hmm. It was very difficult to plan because at the time when I launched this, my heart like I was still thinking medicine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, shift your kind uh, of yeah, so you're like your it took
1: time to kind of like. I think I think it was I was trying I, I had, this is I said I told people this is what I wanted to do and I figured I should I needed to do it and then I started realizing that this was I was really happy creating a clinic. like I was having impact. On society by putting a product out there that I could feel good about but that people could go to yeah. when they were looking for a clean ingredient treat or mm-hmm. snack yeah I love it now
0: do you remember how you got some of your first sales like obviously maybe it was events or retailers. but what were some of those like key moments where you're like wow we got a big sale
1: Oh, the key big sales? Some of it came through catering companies early on. And then my former school ordered for, like, the end-of-year events. That was probably our biggest one.
0: So, was that through a connection because you attended that school? That was through,
1: yeah. Everything early on kind of came through connections. So and,
0: important, yep. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, they say your network is your network, yeah. right? but it's so true. Especially in the first year or it's so. True. That's, That's true. your yeah. launching pad, right? Like, yeah. you're not just
0: automatically showing up in, like, Google SEO rankings.
1: And, so. like, they had ordered strawberry popsicles for, like, their method. Like, who wants strawberry? We have a bunch of, like, kids And we had never done a strawberry popsicle at this point. And yeah. it's like, we're just trying to... Yeah, you're like, okay. You know. <laughs> we're like, okay. Again, we had no labels, so we had to, like, get someone to do these labels. Yeah. And we've done this event every year since because it was mm-hmm. we provided quality, but it taught us at, at that stage it wasn't even a lot of costs, it was a couple hundred, like yeah, but when you're starting out, you're trying to figure out like how do I do this, like a well, box like but there's so many things mm-hmm. that you don't it's not only making the how am I gonna like box this and package this and get this to the like there's all these little things and then every year we sort of just get challenged um, to do bigger events.
0: How about your first experience getting into retail? How does that come about?
1: Yeah. So um, again, I brought to Tammy. So they had um, a dairy free, gluten free ice cream sandwich in retail. Okay. That um, helped it. So they were a store buying it. They tried our popsicles. They liked it, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll give you a shot." Um, And. So we put we put out a couple. We started with two, then we added a couple, and we would try like We would try different flavors, and sometimes you have to take the product back because it would not sell. And put a different flavor out there. Yeah. And like I'm being completely honest, because I think a lot of people don't realize that sometimes you need to do these things, mm-hmm. and it's better to do it, and it's better to take that loss early on. Yeah. Then wait for us. And wait and let it affect your relationship with the store. Yeah. So you need to take responsibility mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. And early on, we did it. We did, and then again when we when we gone into when we gone into more stores, the same thing. We put we tried different areas of the city, tried different flavors, you know, then figure out what our most popular ones are. Mm-hmm. So now on a store site, like, we'll take two, three, four. We have an idea on what those flavors are, mm-hmm. but it was based on learnings early on. We would try. We would demo a bunch of those flavors. See what worked. Mm-hmm. Um, see what people would ask for. Okay, so then
0: in early twenty eighteen, you found yourself on Dragons Den. So first of all, how did that happen? And then we're going to talk about what the outcome of that was. So Shh. how do you get on a show like that? Uh,
1: so let's. I hate pitching. Let's start there. Um. <laughs>
0: Which is probably, like, the most important job you have to do. Yeah, like, well,
1: I hated it until until just before that. But I was turning 25 that year, and I was like, you know, a lot of my friends have auditioned for Dragon's End. Some have been on the show. Some have not. But it it is the Canadian entrepreneur thing to do. It is. Like, I feel like everybody tells you to do it. Like, it is the thing to do.
0: And for anyone listening, it's the equivalent of Shark Tank.
1: Yeah. And... I have been watching that show since season one, like, every rush coming to go it just It's just so cool to see people who have changed their career, young entrepreneurs, just people being able to create their own thing in, in Canada. It, it's so cool to watch. So I decided to audition, and it was the last, like, Toronto audition date. And you show up there, and, like, you get a number, and you literally just wait. And people have, like, cool products, patents, everything from, like, I do shoes to, like, kids' things, um, food ideas, tech. And you're like, okay. So intimidating, probably, yeah, in that it's, way. It's so intimidating. Like, I am possible. Yeah, <laughs> no. so and they're melting. <laughs> and, yeah, and if you don't know, you don't know what to expect, right? Like you don't know what to bring, you don't know how to create like, this display. Like, you really just don't know what other people are going to do. Like, how do I talk everybody else? So they don't give you a ton of guidance. They just kind of well, want they to see. give you stuff, Like I mean, I think they want like it's about keeping kind of things authentic, I guess. And and a friend of mine like an actor, and he said, like, you know, just just be you and don't bring a lot of things to distract. Right. And so I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is some good advice, who knows? And I said, let's just try and show up. And I'm like trying to get this pitch together again, like not remembering half the key components. This is the night before and when I show up there and it's my turn and their casual jeans t-shirt. Obstacles in a cooler bag, like that's it. Like, people had some pretty extensive things, like, they definitely brought in a truck with like displays. And uh, was mm-hmm. me. I was just, like, I a cooler, but like, I didn't know what to do. So, you go pitch, and Sebastian pitched seemed to have answered the questions, I guess, relatively well. And um, producers seemed to like the product. And then I find out a couple days later that I'm on the standby list. And I was a little bit heartbroken because it means I didn't have a confirmed spot. And they asked if I was available for like the three weeks of filming, basically. So basically, I needed to be available with very short notice.
0: And, and I just, you
1: said yes. I said yes because I was like, how, if you turn that down, like, I don't know how it reflects on can you get on the phone? Like, it just, I mean, at this point, what do I do? I just say yes. And here I am thinking, like, now the other side is... Like, I'm nervous because, like, this is you know you watch this show and you can either it can either go really well or really bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) And you sign your life away, probably. If it bombs, it's still yeah. It's it's
1: TV at the end of the day. That's what creates good TV too, right? Mm -hmm. And nothing's really scripted or anything. So, and during this time, we obviously didn't finish our packaging. Like, we just had pictures. So it's like, okay, so now I have still this basic packaging. So now we're rushing to kind of get at least the prototype of that to take there. Don't know when you're gonna get called. So the first week of filming sort of goes by for a few days, and it's like Friday, midday, and I get a call and say we're calling from Dragon End. So I'm thinking, okay, they're calling to confirm that I'm still interested in the standard. They're like, we have a spot for Monday. Is it like Friday and a day? And like this is an app this isn't an app that's on my phone. Like this is a product you wanted to make sure that, you know, everything look but just that I have the right setup or everything. So then I, like I am stressing. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> like what like what do I do? How do I get everything together? I played C B C on Monday morning at seven forty five AM. Jeez. And I, by the time like gone off the phone with everybody, it was almost Friday in the day.
0: Yeah. So the weekend was yeah, the filled weekend. with what? the
1: weekend was like mom you do this, dad you do yeah. this, like rally the troops. Rally the troops. And then I was, you know, the nerves, um, mm-hmm. all of that. And then show up seven forty five, um nervous. Because yeah. obviously I haven't had time to rehearse this edge. Definitely. It's like the first time you're gonna be giving it because you're <laughs> <that's clear>. it. <laughs> Just um, what a lot of people probably, what a lot of made on it was it's actually forty five minutes. Of and they filming. cut it down. It's cut it. down. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot of time to be in there. And it's a lot of time to just a lot of room for questions. Um, I remember being told a lot of people do not get offers, and a lot of people don't get deals, and I was just like, Oh no! Like, what if they don't like this? What what's gonna happen? Like, what if this airs and like they don't like it? And so I was like really freaking out. But I'm like, okay, now it's my turn. I decide, okay, it's a really great idea to ride this bike that I have never been on before and ride this popsicle bike onto the thing. And I'm like hoping I don't fall. I'm hoping I can stop this. <laughs> <laughs> I calculated the right radius, of turning right at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like. All of these like one of my, like fall, whatever I took this bike, and I'm like, okay, so get <laughs> there. Probably my heart's like my, my heart's like racing. Go to say this pitch and then they're trying the product. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, the conversation starts, and then I was definitely more comfortable. Once things, once we really got into it, I was definitely a lot more comfortable. Uh and they liked the product and then uh, just multiple offers.
0: Um, yeah, that's incredible that you were able to solidify multiple offers <laughs> coming from hearing that a lot of people don't get them. So I'm sure that was a very validating experience, like as much as it's, it's just a TV show and there are just a few entrepreneurs, but because of the credibility these entrepreneurs have built up, the Dragons... Did that feel validating for your business? Was it that a was milestone? It was a very,
1: like, even just a conversation was so great. It was, like, one of the greatest experiences ever. Definitely a defining moment. In my, like, for growing, you know, just being confident with stuff like that, being confident in my brand and just the exposure has been great. And it was, it was definitely very, like, validating and, um, learned a lot but I, I mean I have to say I did prepare like I did rewatch a lot of episodes mm-hmm. a lot and like made them made note of the questions and figured out like made sure I knew my numbers um depending on how they asked it whether it's percentage or numbers or sales and you know I'm really just making sure I knew that and it was really about just going in there with what I thought was a fair valuation at the time mm-hmm. yeah and that was that was very important to me and we it's definitely you have to be strategic going into something like that Mm um so yeah i've got multiple offers i don't know if we want to spoil it but now it's on netflix (laughs) well yeah do
0: you want to spoil it or just plant the episode that people should watch
1: maybe people should just watch it because it's now on netflix so
0: your season season
1: 13 episode one Episode 1.
0: Yes, and that, I think in itself, is kind of flattering, to be on episode 1. Because the
1: yes. premiere always has the highest And I was interest. actually pitch number 1, too. Oh, so <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. And now it's also on Netflix. So people were, it was just launched on Netflix on September 7th. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge deal. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I did start watching it on
0: Netflix. But normally, I would have to log on to cbc.ca. Yeah, a lot of people
1: like it because it, I believe there's no commercials.
0: Yeah. no, there is none. So... Phenomenal.
1: Yeah. So, was there
0: a lot of growth that happened post Dragons Den? Like, did it kind of give you like this rush of momentum, not only for yourself but in terms of
1: sales and marketing leads? I think the hardest thing was keeping it a secret until it aired or knowing if it's going to air because a lot of a lot of pitches don't air. Yeah. So until we found out, and then it's kind of gearing up for that air date. and I think sales have been steady. Like it definitely helped. Um, and it's definitely good exposure. And good for the resume. And it, and it can, yeah, <laughs> it continues to be like people can people continue to watch it and reach out and are interested in the product. So it's definitely helped in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that we realized that that's when we decided to rebrand and then we go for the printed packaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anyone who hasn't
0: seen the packaging or anything I will plant a bunch of photos in the show notes so definitely uh, people can find it there but it's very like bright and fun and approachable is that kind of division when yeah. you redesigned the packaging what What did you have in mind?
1: So we had a couple of things again going back to the target, we wanted it to appeal well, we redesigned our, we had our logo redone as well based on several things we noticed with the first logo but but it came down to packaging. We wanted something that appealed to men and women, kids. like, And just that was happy. That was fun. That was, um, you could take it to a corporate event, a barbecue. It really just looked appealing. And, that, and, and it was fresh. Um, really just using the right colors. I was very particular on what I wanted. Um, I'd been... Although I've only been like doing this for three and a half years, I've been traveling to a lot of trade shows with my dad. And so I saw a lot of packaging, I had seen a lot of different things, stuff that I think works or stuff that grabs my eye. And as, as a millennial, I don't spend a lot of time in the grocery store. So I don't look at the freezer section, really. It's like, is this going to grab my eye or if I'm scrolling through social media, is this a picture, am I going to stop? Is it, oh wow, what is that that my friend's eating? I they wanted it to be that product. Mm-hmm. And they wanted it to be different from what was already on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just using fun colors, um, but still look sophisticated and clean and very, not too many things we didn't want to call out, a bunch of things on the front, so we, to focus on the limited ingredients that are in the product mm-hmm. and also just place in basics like vegan, gluten free. But it's it's naturally vegan and gluten free. Yeah. Like some people will go and ask, is there eggs in-? but it's it's a popsicle. Yeah. It's like what do you like think? It, like I think? people are just so used to just asking, does this have eggs? Does this have d-? and I'm like, no, 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 no. So it's like fruit, water. <laughs> A hint of sugar. <laughs> That's it. You're like, we shouldn't even have to
0: call it that it's gluten-free, but... Yeah, or,
1: or even that, even though it's, like, it's a, it's a fruit bar.
0: Yeah. You know, like, like, we didn't put animal protein no. on this,
1: but you never know. of the vegan, yeah, maybe it's not a given, but the, the gluten-free, like, it just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. But to some consumers, those sell them on it, yeah. so...
0: So, how is... Like, what is a day in the life of you right now, or even just like a week in the life? I'm assuming you take on many roles within the company, mm-hmm. but yeah, what does really your job look like? Right yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, first question Do you have an official title?
1: I guess I'm the founder and CEO, I guess. But the- and that would be
0: like Chief Happiness. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> trying, you know, trying to spread happiness. Yes, I you love see, I'm it. trying to spread happiness one stick at a time. It's kind of really just we're so we're focused on like everybody having a really good experience with the product. It's yes. about what it's about. You never know who, who's gonna try it and where. Like sometimes you get messages from people, and you you don't know who's gonna get your product. So it's really mm-hmm. every to handcraft a product, and it's really about everyone having a great experience. Yes. I love that. So that's what's important. But a day, a week of the life. Um, it's been a pretty busy summer. Um, I guess this is
0: your season, like yeah, you're coming yeah. off
1: of your busiest. Coming off of the busiest for sure. Um busy season involves working usually six AM to sometimes eleven PM <laughs> seven days a week. Glamorous job jobs. Everyone's like, Oh, it must be so nice working for yourself. I'm like, Yeah, I have me to movie. Um probably patio season where whatever. Yeah, what's that? What's that? Um It was it's been it's just um. Sometimes it's calls. Sometimes it's meetings. It's all over. Sometimes it's delivering orders. Mm-hmm. Um. Sometimes it's in production. Yeah. Sometimes it's doing popsicles like, do you have I help at this do. point? I do. You have you do.
0: Yeah. So it's beyond your your parents now. Oh,
1: it's beyond. Yeah, oh. they still help. Yeah, my mom was in there. Oh, um, I love it. I love it during the summer helping you out. Um, oh, yeah. But my sister helped me out. She did some farmer's markets this year. She helped manage things also, helped in production for a bit. So definitely having – definitely my cousins are being helpful. That's so cool. it's – I mean, you know, it, it's so unpredictable too, right? It comes in – people decide very last minute in terms of from a catering standpoint. And even just stores, store orders. Um, yeah, I woke up to a couple this morning. So it's, it's, very, it's very unpredictable. So sometimes I'll be helping make, sometimes it's delivering some of working markets. You know, they're back up for everything and have to do a bit of everything. It's emails, it's the social media, it's the responding to everything else. But it's definitely, I mean, we do have a pretty good team. It's growing. Um, so. and then to let go of a lot of things too, just to focus on growing the business, Mm -hmm. but still try to be relatively hands-on just to ensure that everything is under control, And, um, yeah, I think, like, I, I love to hear
0: that you're still very much in it, but also realizing, you know, it probably takes you stepping back a bit from the day-to-day operations to grow this business. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, is there any business skill that comes to mind right now that you're really working to get better at or that you know you need to improve upon in order to take Happy Fox to the next
1: level? I think now as we kind of move into the solar season, definitely forecasting, um, really just more strategizing now that we want to go into more bigger retailers, is really just spending that time to work on those aspects, um, mm. innovating a little bit too. I mm. just, and yeah, is there anything coming down the pipeline? Some new flavors. I think will come in, um, or some of our limited editions that we've been playing with on our limited edition packaging will probably become... Um, more permanent flavors. Awesome. Um so, so that's exciting. that's definitely in the pipeline. But really just taking the time to strategize, I think, is important. Um mm-hmm. I like pitching so hard. Now I like pitching. Because my least it's like my most so oh, right. definitely just being there to sell and kind of go do that stuff. I think again there's no one who does it better than the person who started who believes in it. Like it's walking into a meeting and seeing people try the product and being able to answer those questions. So really now just focusing on that and doing that and closing sales and then having my team work more on the production and start
0: working. So at this point, what would you say is the best part about being the CEO of Happy Pops?
1: Still so seeing people eat the product. Yeah. usually winter. Through the cold days, you know, showing up at a farmer's market sometimes with like hats and gloves on until we yeah. get into like October, and people still eating or just seeing even online orders come through our store. Um, yeah, yeah, that is like so cool. a, that a lot of people didn't think that people would buy possibles online, but um, people would try our product, like, it's just been an easy way to kind of get to some of these mm-hmm. um, So before we wrap this up, there's one question that I ask all
0: of our guests, and that would be for someone listening who really wants to start a business, maybe they've got an idea in their head, but they just have no idea where to start, what would you offer them in terms of advice to encourage them to chase after it?
1: I think talk to people, be prepared to go all in, and I would say be prepared to fail like and yeah. pivot like quickly I think a lot of times people put people try for you like I think you gotta be prepared to pivot very quickly and learn and move on but also just surround yourself by good good people good mentors um, and you have to want it mm. yeah gotta be hungry for it yeah. obviously there's a lot of
0: people making popsicles but not everyone has like the zest of
1: happy pops right yeah so. three and a half years in I, I love it like I wouldn't if if I could be offered any master's program anywhere, I wouldn't take it. Like I absolutely wake up. Yeah. Because I love it. Yeah, it's a labor
0: of love, right? Yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. Well, Layla, thank you so much for sharing your story on the Visionary Life podcast. Um, I could talk to you all day about the growth of Happy Pops, but we'll wrap it up here for now. Uh, if people want to learn more about Happy Pops, or even if they live in Canada and like purchase some Happy Pops, where can they find you?
1: So we are in all the Crusaderies, we're in all the McEwins, we're in Summer Market, Fiesta Farms, some coffee shops, some yoga studios, so definitely check our website or social media, we're constantly adding retailers. Uh, we're also in some stores in Quebec, Ottawa, and London, scattered in, a little bit in the West, definitely working on more. Yeah. Um, and if not, order online. And you ship where? Uh, right. We, we can ship in across Canada. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. That's a big task. To yeah. ship
0: frozen goods. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah, I will link all of that in the show notes so that people can find you. And thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So if you could help me out by rating and reviewing this show on your iTunes app, I would be so grateful. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories. Just make sure to tag me at Kelsey Rydell. If you're feeling stuck, uninspired, stagnant, bored, or confused in what your next step should be, it's time to take action. Please reach out because I would love to connect with you. I'll catch you in the next step.